Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Xander, I have a moral question for you. Oh, oh. I think I know the answer to the question that if you were a Starfleet officer Mm -hmm. and your family came to you and said, you need to marry this person, Mm -hmm. I think we know that you wouldn't leave a career behind in Starfleet uh, very easily. Uh, Is he hot? Uh, He's stupid hot. Is he got a mullet? uh, He does, but it's much nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Here's, Here's my question for you. What... What would this marriage have to entail to get you to be pulled away from Starfleet? Keeping in mind that Becca and I will be officiating this wedding naked. Yeah, that's the only condition. I will be mute, though, and I will be sign language officiating. (laughs) (laughs) My only condition is that everyone's got to be naked at the wedding. That's all it's going to take. That's a great way to do a wedding, you know? Even if you don't know the guy. It's such a terrifying experience. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the marriage is for, to get to know him. This is going to be a real easy episode for you then, because <laughs> Haven is about Counselor Troy's arranged marriage. Holy cow. Holy cow. It's surprising to me because Betazoid seem pretty forward thinking. They seem very intuitive, very in touch with what people want and mm. pursuing that. And yet they still have arranged marriages? What? <laughs> Well, I think that this is fascinating because you can look at it from two different perspectives, the way that I see it anyway. Uh, One is from this earthly perspective of like arranged marriages being this sort of construct of an older time that feels like chains and and whatever. Uh, But if you grew up in a a society where people could read each other's thoughts and like polyamory was a a thing uh, and just a part of society, you would need some way for the species to produce. generate like to to continue so why not make two genetically perfect matches to ensure that the best possible offspring could happen if it's not connected with romance and 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 love as we understand it but it's more of a physical thing why not have a ceremony around it and involve the family you know for them having a genetic uh perfection for each other they had no chemistry that's true <laughs> none at all and uh i i had a lot of confusion at first i wasn't sure so the the arranged husband's parents were the first to arrive in the teleportation room the millers the millers uh, there's something very Such uncomfortable here that i'm just going to call out that the father's name w- was steve Stephen Miller, uh, yeah, which is like, like Trump's eagle, right? right hand super white supremacist uh, advisor. Uh, <laughs> and I had oh, just written Stephen down. Miller. Oh, that's true. Because I, I didn't understand that. that those were not Deanna Troy's parents. I, I thought that's oh. who it was at first. And I wrote, oh my God, they're so white. And then it was like, <laughs> Stephen Miller. Do you know who Steve Miller is, uh, Becca? Oh, like Steve Miller Band. Yeah, yeah Steve Miller Band. Uh, yeah, the other Steve Miller. That's yeah. who I thought oh, I was thinking well, of. Oh, poor Steve Miller. <laughs> the band uh, for (laughs) having his name tarnished in this way. Well, uh, yeah, so the Millers arrive along with Loxana Troy, and it Mm. turns out that, uh, actually, oh, we even forgot about the talking box with all the jewels that came out of it. The dowry box. (laughs) For being so fancy and posh as this wedding is supposed to be, that thing just farted out all of those gems (laughs) right onto the transporter floor, and it's just like, here, this is a fortune. (laughs) Well, remember, that comes from the humans. So that's the human custom. 
That's a good point. Yeah. And that actually, that actor that played the face, I can't remember his name, but he is the he's the Ferengi who plays Quark on DS9. And Armin he's one Shimmerman. Of the Ferengi from Armin Shimmerman. And he's one of the Ferengi from the Outpost episode. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah, I was wondering why they used that face. Uh, <laughs> so now, now it makes sense that that was like, oh, let's just get that guy in here. He can do it. Another Wizard of the Oz type moment, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah, the whole thing felt very, uh, like, like all of this first season is very original series in the pacing of it and sort of the dilemmas that show up. Because I feel like original series only got one season, they're trying to sort of repaint the same sort of moral quandaries in this new uh, in this new generation. And you can see that in the casting of Majel Barrett as Luxana Troy. Oh, I forgot. You told us that in our first episode, and I totally forgot that this yeah. is Major Barrett. Interesting. Uh-huh. So quick note, I don't want to check, check you too much. Oh, yeah. But, uh, the original series has three seasons. Oh, three seasons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. You're right. But, but you no, know, but they were they were short. They were canceled. So yeah. they definitely didn't get to do their full uh, complement of ideas. So we do see a lot of that stuff recycled in, and Major Barrett is not necessarily a recycling because uh, she's actually uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife, right? Yeah. yeah. And also the voice of the computer. Mm-hmm. So we learned so much about Troy in this episode. Yeah. Um, and finally noticed the black contacts because on Majel Barrett, they're way more noticeable because mm-hmm. I think uh, she just has like a little bit lighter hair. So you really notice those black contacts that just are a little bit terrifying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they look natural and, on Marina Sirtis, the actress for Deanna Troy. <laughs> yeah, they do. They look good on her. And uh, and then the accent, Xander, that you have told us so much right? about the origins of. Uh, there's this throwaway line of, oh, your accent is so much like your father. And I wrote, will it be? <laughs> Let's keep that in mind for when we meet Troy's father. <laughs> um and uh, when we meet the fiance, Wyatt, he's a little bit homeless looking is what I wrote down. Uh, really wanted to cut that mullet that you mentioned. And then he gives <gasps> her a beautiful. mood ring rose. See, actually, I kind of liked his mullet. I like As far as mullet goes, that was like the Cadillac of mullets, right? It was it glossy. Was they probably, shine. yeah, there's some moose in there, I bet. You could probably open it up on the freeway. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, and like, it would look even better. <laughs> what I was concerned about is like he didn't really say much of anything, and this is like his future wife, and he's just standing there looking kind of uh, slack jawed and holding a, a picture that he drew in a, in a flower that he's gonna give her. It felt like less mature than even Wesley Crusher in terms of love. Well, yeah. we find out later that he was very surprised because right. she wasn't the woman he had literally dreamed of his entire life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a blow to anybody who's like <laughs> meeting their betrothed, and they're like, "Oh, I have all of these pictures that I carry with me of this hot blonde." <laughs> with the did not skimp locks. on the Aquanet. <laughs> oh, that's why he had to have the long hair because he thought he'd be meeting her. If he was too clean cut, they wouldn't look like a good match. You know, right? You start right. to look like your partner. He needed more Aquanet. So Picard welcomes uh, Loxana onto the ship, carries her suitcase for her in one of the more comedic moments. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I like Picard actually getting to do a little bit of uh, hammy comedy a little bit. That was nice. Um, The one problem when I had was that uh, one of the few things he says to Troy is, 
congratulations when he leaves her as if he doesn't know that this is not something she really wants it's pretty obvious she's distressed this entire time oh but but again i think this is a prime example of picard's patience of this is a species custom that i don't understand but i know in it's customary for me to say congratulations in a situation like this and with him not bringing up oh this must be so hard for you it seems obvious and they have a connection so him bringing it up would just be pouring salt on the wound Uh, he knows that she has to go through with this and she he sees how demanding Luxana is and totally empathizes and and does really accommodate everything that Luxana wishes for uh putting his captaincy aside which I think is just amazing as a kid I found that really annoying I, mm. I didn't like Luxana Troy I thought she was interfering with the ship's operations I was a very business-like child I will admit. yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but now I like her a little bit more especially as an adult and I get her charm a little bit I, mm. uh, I think she grows uh, later on in the series too when she becomes a little less um, of an asshole because yeah. she's pretty much slamming everybody she sees in this episode. Yeah. She's bemoaning human culture constantly. She's putting everybody down. It's it's not a charismatic portrayal, although she has charm. She's not like exuding it. She's kind of holding it above everybody, right? I yeah. say boo to Lexana Troy. I'm not yeah. into this character. <laughs> I love when Deanna Troy freaks out and throws a temper tantrum at her and finally yeah. throws in her face. Uh, she's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, it's it's interesting, too, because I, I see that, and I totally agree with you, and I think they flesh her out a little bit more because she came yeah. on as the quote-unquote monster of the week, the problem to solve of this, or one of the problems to solve of this episode. And again, we see a solid like A plot, B plot happening that sort of coincide with each other pretty, pretty nicely. Um, but with her... As a foil to some to, to bring out this aspect of Troy, who is this calm, collected counselor, uh, to see Troy get emotional is is a, a treat for the audience and shows this dynamic of character as well. But um, I also wanted to show that at this time in television, having such a, a strong woman come in and be this leader role and, and forceful, also in contrast to this, what you mentioned before, this sort of meek um, male par- betrothed person, you know, it would be so easy to see it be the demanding father that comes in and, and the uh, meek uh, daughter that is betrothed, that uh, we see this sort of gender roles flipped for the time. Uh, now we sort of see past that, but there is something to be said for why we think of Luxana as you know sort of over the top and controlling when really she she hides it behind this honesty and candor that is quote unquote how Betazoids do it they they speak their mind yes and no to breaking gender roles because mm. when you think of we're going to have an episode about a wedding you right. think of an overbearing mother uh, <laughs> that's true that's true and it, she's also a very counterintuitive character because you think of a character that can read minds mm. which of course all betazoids can but this is the betazoid we meet right. then you would think well she must be empathetic but she's not yeah not. this whole thing felt anachronistic to me from a future standpoint it's like mm-hmm. of all the things we haven't solved you guys still don't have arranged weddings figured out. Like, right. uh, it felt like a stretch, especially with such a progressive society as Starfleet, that Troy wouldn't easily just shirk her duty. In fact, she rarely explores that. She's just like, it's tradition. I got to do it. 
that's pretty much what it boils down to as i recall yeah we're gonna we're gonna run into this with troy as a character also with Worf as a character uh, it's an exploration that they did with spock in the original series of what does it mean to be half human half alien in some way what responsibilities become important uh for the human aspect of the character and what are important for the alien aspect for betazoids we don't know much about it we don't know much about their traditions and how sort of um you know we could be these traditions could be as easy as like farming or or as unimportant as you know oh these two people are just going to live together for a while it's sort of an arranged thing um we're attaching a lot of what we uh think of when we come to marriage and weddings i think and and that they do it too because it's being written in the 90s but um <laughs> you know i i think that th- this is really powerful in the way that deanna just sort of accepts like, like, this is tradition, and who am I to uh, step in front of this and say no when I haven't even tried it? Maybe it's something that will work out. Maybe this is a path that I do need to go on. And I think that openness, I think, is really compelling. Yeah, and it, I like, uh, let's talk about the scene where they are first alone together. Yeah. Because as you guys mentioned, there's no chemistry, but they both are like down for whatever this is gonna be yeah i guess i guess you're pretty cool right wow you're a great artist even though you've drawn this woman that isn't me uh and then um as you're mentioning the a and b plot that we talked so much about this is when they finally start to tie those together i like Mm -hmm. an a and b plot that exists separately and then there's something that knots them together at the end which in this episode is the Torellians. yeah of course when we see this woman we think we're probably going to meet her in person. Yeah. yeah, we're going <laughs> to meet sure. this, this is how the wedding doesn't work out, obviously. We know that. But how do we it's, get there? It's Chekhov's sketch uh, or Chekhov's <laughs> portrait sketch of a, of a woman. It'll come back later. Yeah. 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 You've got to fire off the portrait sketch before <laughs> it did we begin very, to play. It did feel very obvious of like, okay, I've drawn who I should be with. <laughs> we'll get to this shortly. But I do like how the character deals with it of like, well, this is this is just a childish fantasy. Pay no attention to this. You know, whether he really mm-hmm. feels that way or not, um, Deanna knows because she can feel how he feels. And they both have this adult conversation that especially when you're writing a sitcom t- style show or a soap opera style show could have easily been blown out of proportion and been dramatic with things smashing and flying around. But it was very controlled and like, here's what this is. Here's what we do. This is the communication. Deanna to be an unreliable feeler, though, because Mm. she straight up, like, says to uh, Riker, she's like, you want to be a starship captain more than anything. He's like, well, I want more than that. And she's like, okay. You want me. Maybe she's being manipulative. (laughs) He's like, no, I want lots of things. She's like, come dance at my wedding. (laughs) And then later she tells tells Wyatt, she's like, he wants to be a starship captain. That's his thing. She's like, you didn't listen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know, as a woman that loves to play mind games, as we all do, obviously, <laughs> I think this was, she doesn't want to get married, she loves Riker, and she just wants him to be there uh, for the reason that she cares deeply about him, as she says on the holodeck, and uh, this is her way of talking him out of being in love with her, like, ah, you don't really love me, you want to be a starship captain, that's your thing. It's right. not a saying, I'm reading your feelings, it's saying, like, this is what's best this really became an episode of dawson's creek pretty quickly for Riker <laughs> because he was kind of going off and brooding on his own about this like yeah. he like stormed out of the conference room after <laughs> mentioning that we were going to the engagement party or whatever like, yeah. 
Yeah, there's <laughs> probably solid three storm offs in the episode yeah. for him. I laughed real hard when she found him on the holodeck and he's looking at a fake sunset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a really pretty fake sunset, though. It just loads yeah, sure. program one, and that's like what the holodeck came with. <laughs> Load sad.exe. <laughs> uh, so, so I guess this weird uh, betrothal slowly happens. We have wedding traditions. We have antics at the, um, the engagement party. The uh, gong. The, the gong, gong was hilarious. Picard has a great line where there's petty squabbles, and he says, as the captain, I say at a ceremony, there are no more arguments. So arguments are now settled. <laughs> I figured that scene was actually three minutes too long, and then they're on set, and they're like, okay, we got to figure this out. So Picard, I want you to order everybody to just be chill, okay? And action. I'm going to do this with my family on Thanksgiving, for yeah. sure. Also, That's ask a them, great idea. Move. Ask them to please continue the petty banter, because it's fascinating. <laughs> or the petty bickering, <laughs> rather. Yeah, I'll have a tag team with my sister, Lisa, who may or may not be listening to this episode, and she Ooh. can play the data role. There it is. Yeah. So, uh, bio-warfare is what destroyed the Torellians, we learn in a very exposition-heavy what a hard scene, turn. Which, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to keep us keep us moving, and yeah. I remember that we actually kind of skipped over the Trillion's whole story, which was a big chunk of that third act, right? Yeah. So we find out that they, I guess, theoretically are extinct, but there's this ship that's just drifting towards Haven, a planet that's been rumored to have healing properties, right? With mm-hmm. beautiful um, French women, uh, which are, were reminiscent. Riker was listening to these... French harpists uh, mm-hmm. that were miniaturized at the beginning of the episode, and then it looks a lot like the woman that we're they're speaking to in the bridge, uh, who is like the leader of Haven. Uh, you say listening, accent, right? I say looking because were, he was looking at. He them. was really staring for a while. I mean, he did close his eyes. Also, that music sounded like NES music from like a temple in Legend of Zelda or something. It also really sounded like something from Sirenscape, <laughs> the, the yeah. tabletop audio thing. Anyway, um, y'all don't well, listen I, to enough harp music. You're right. <laughs> My current theory is they had the green screen set up and they had some women in some like robes, Grecian robes, and they're like, well, these could be the hologram and the the. Kind Council that they contact. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Love that. Um, data circles the room like a buzzard. I love that right. line. Um, I liked the little plant gag as well. It seemed so silly and <sighs> stupid, but then I still laughed at it. Right, right. I can't right. believe it worked on me. And it's so simple. It's another example of you mentioned that you mentioned Xander with them just using props as best they can with what <laughs> low budgets they've got, and they just took some vines and like it's an alien. You yeah, like pets, right? Scare the human woman, mother. Yeah. And then there was squabbles about uh, our favorite Steve Miller um, <laughs> uh, having having thoughts about. Oh shoot, what's Troy's mom's first name? Luxana. Luxana. Luxana's uh, super bay. He wants to see her naked. <laughs> all this stuff. It's real rubble rousing. Real trying to start a hair pulling fight in the middle of this uh, wedding rehearsal dinner and I don't understand why Luxana's so ready to start this fight. What is her intention? Because she set up this arranged marriage. I yeah. feel like she's just written as obnoxious in this episode and they forgot to make her redeeming you know, or yeah. give her a rationale, unfortunately. Yeah, why does she want to piss this woman off? <laughs> 
they sort of justify it a little bit at the end uh, when uh, she makes this sort of lewd comment about Picard's thoughts about her. And even though like they might, they're probably not true. It it shows that this the telepath's favorite way to mess with non telepaths is to like uh, frame them for improper thoughts. And you can <laughs> see this th- sort of throughout the episode. That's one of Luxana's favorite things to do in uh, stirring trouble with the Millers and like pl- saying, "Oh, those thoughts," or "He finds me attractive," or whatever. It's it's it could be candor. It could be you know a fleeting thought that they'd had that she tends to focus on and joke around with. But uh, it's just a different sort of sense of humor is how they justify it, but it doesn't yeah. exactly work. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they yeah they don't quite get there close enough. Now, I'm, I'm wondering in future episodes if Becca's opinion will evolve about Loxana. We'll see. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, it does. She, she pisses <laughs> yeah. off Deanna Troy enough that Troy explodes. And I know you yeah. like that moment, Becca, but for me it seemed a little fast for the ship's counselor to just lose her mind and then shove the gong over on her way out like yep. a tantrum. But I guess this is Do you episode... not know about mothers? Yeah. There's a lot of history there. If we're talking Dawson's Creek, I guess this is appropriate, though. Right. Do you know how easy it is for me to be playing a board game with my mother and then explode because she just gives gives my sister free money because she wanted to be nice? <laughs> well, that's why we can't have nice gongs around this place. Yeah, anyway. we have nice gongs. <laughs> That's, I think, exactly what they're trying to show, Becca, is that normally the counselor of the ship is so calm and collected in dealing with other people's emotions. We get to see someone who knows exactly which buttons to push to make her flip out. And I think that was a really interesting choice for the character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Before we move on from the rehearsal dinner scene, hair on point, we got Troy with the extension (laughs) ponytail. Crusher. Yeah, Crusher with a really nice little like low bun with lots of volume. Yeah, and Yar is just uh, just went ham with the moose and to the nines. Love it all. Yep, love Becca, it all. In, Becca in my notes, I literally wrote Becca's gonna love this hair. <laughs> Thank you for understanding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved I loved Yar's like going for the full '80s rocker look. That was great. So cool. Um, so the Torellians actually make contact finally after being pulled into a tractor beam. Their leader says, "Before I ask about the tractor beam, you got a guy named Wyatt on board." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly. This- <laughs> it's an interesting way to start the call, but it turns out their entire uh, survival depends on this doctor that they have uh, dreamed up, apparently. Right. And uh, his betrothed, or his beloved, I should say, from his dreams is this wonderfully cheekboned woman. Uh, <laughs> that's all I really remember from her is, like, the curvature of her face. Yeah. Uh, and that um, amazing Ariana. blonde hair. But, yeah, we uh, we see Ariana in her first uh, her first communication is pretty much her and, and her belly. <laughs> her yeah, flat. yeah, yeah. Her abs. Uh, if you yeah. picture like sort of any sort of swimsuit model of Sports Illustrated of the eighties with like huge blonde hair, that's pretty much what this is. Like on a car in a in a bikini yeah. or something. I feel like she was drawn first, then they cast her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, what's what I wrote I was like, why didn't so they get off this first initial call where they don't look like the warrior type. They don't look like they're gonna attack, they're all in like uh, blue crop tops yeah. and uh, <laughs> and then they're just like oh send Wyatt he comes to the bridge and they're like okay cool bye and they yeah. don't really talk about this lo- like what's the next move here how do you know about me why do you seem to know so much more about our astral connection than I do 
And why it's like, okay, cool, there she is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a do they explain mess. it at that point at all? Or do they no, just they say, I've dreamed about you, call. I've dreamed about you too, right? Yeah, it's like, it. oh, okay, we've been dreaming. You're the one I've been talking to in my dreams. Okay, well, we'll talk later. Bye. I, yeah, again, I think it's another <laughs> symptom of some of these early episodes where they're like, well, we got eight minutes left mm-hmm. to resolve this. So yeah. man, let's crunch this in. Because eventually it leads to my next note, which is like, dude, don't beam over to an infected ship for some girl you don't even know. Like FaceTime first or something. Right. <laughs> now, what something I thought about later was everybody on board the Torellian ship was down with her dreams. They oh, yeah. put her the uh, her drawings, which were not as good as his. She's not a very good artist. Uh, no. They put him, <laughs> hung them prominently in the ship. Like, they all believed in this destiny that she had right. to meet this person, and nobody believed Wyatt or cared <laughs> about his dream. It was like, nah, you got an arranged marriage, kid. Right. I would love it if Wyatt beamed over to that ship, and she's a terrible artist, and it's pretty much just stick figures with different sized eyes and stuff like that. <laughs> but with like clearly, she drew a mullet on each of them. <laughs> but she got his carpet shirt right, you know. So that's about yeah. all she can get shape wise. Wait, she just uh, drew a triangle for a torso, <laughs> yeah. and then that's what his sweater was. Which is what his sweater was exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's in space crayon, which you can just right. tell like right. they never evolved beyond that. It's that glitter crayon. I wrote down it was a very wesley sweater yeah Yeah. oh it looks very wesley i have Mm -hmm. i have one thing i also want us to keep an eye on for future Mm -hmm. episodes which is that this is one of the not the first time i don't think and it won't be the last where someone um beams off of the enterprise without the enterprise's (laughs) permission yeah and they're constantly being alerted on the bridge that someone beamed over and picard's like uh lock it out and they're like it's too late and it's like close the doors (laughs) yeah like uh, you guys, you guys are the Enterprise. You guys need to lock it down. Yeah, yeah. put two-factor authentication on that. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's like you <laughs> should have learned the first time to set up the extra protocol. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to really put some security measures in place. And so I want to keep an eye out for more instances of just people beaming over and we realizing it a second too late. Yeah, uh, and that yeah, that poor transporter guy that got yeah. uh, stabbed. <laughs> Hypo sprayed. Who even knows what was in that syringe that uh, made him pass out? He might be dead, but he might be. <laughs> yeah, the doctor killed him just yeah. to get over to the dream. Girl. I guess he is a doctor, so you know. Hippocratic what? <laughs> so uh, Wyatt beams over, and he's decided to live his life with these eight people. Right. So this is what I really want to bring up, though, this parallel between the two. You've got this sort of uh, two stories of manifest destiny. You've got the the story of Deanna Troy, who's living her life on a starship as a counselor, who is told due to Betazoid traditions beyond her control, she's being forced to live with and dedicate her life to this other person who's a complete stranger. Now that we've got Wyatt's version of this, where you've got a whole sort of alien race of essentially humans, as soon as you accept this fate, you're going to be infected by this uh, this disease. You cannot go back to your family. You're ripped from your life and your job, essentially, and your whole life will be uh, cr- uh, creating a cure for this race who was it was prophesied for you to do that. Like he has no choice in the matter. So it's this arranged marriage or arranged marriage or you know, it's 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 both. Yeah, well, Wyatt's destiny was foretold. Dude was marrying someone against his will, no matter <laughs> yeah. what. 
Right. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. He was so willing to mm -hmm. give up his life that uh, how come he, they never discussed the possibility of him just living on the Enterprise? They could have used a second doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this this brings up the core tenet of Star Trek, and I think we've we've we may have heard it in the past, but it's the needs of the the many outweigh the needs of the few. If he can help these eight people survive and create a cure for this virus, is that worth his giving up his happiness when he's been dreaming about this woman anyway? For Troy, is it worth giving up these cultures of her heritage to uh, continue her path on the Starfleet officer or uh, acknowledge it and just go along with it? It's it's both. Like, Does that benefit the culture, the genetic offspring that might happen with Wyatt and Deanna? Did we ever learn what genetically was compatible about about them because it I recall Loxana nope. just saying oh um Steve Miller came up to me and reminded me I made a vow to give away my kid to his kid like how did you forget that like were you guys right. just drunk on Romulan ale one night and just <laughs> made that choice <laughs> That's illegal. Yeah, they're beta <laughs> They drink that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. They must have some, uh, what's it called? Uh, 32 and Me or whatever. 32, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Missing. Um, That's a pretty important number. Uh, you know, they just did this test and they were like, Let's just let's just decide this now for these kids. But that must be how it is, and that must have been how Betazoid marriages were performed. Although it is Betazoid and human hybrids. So there we go. Now we're getting into the Trek discussion. Can you imagine how excited the uh, so Deanna's father is human and uh, had a baby with Luxana Troy, who is a Betazoid, having Deanna Troy, who is half human, half Betazoid. Now to follow within the Betazoid traditions of arranged marriage, you can understand how excited her father would be for her getting matched with a full-blooded human thus progenerating uh, like the this hybrid of betazoid and human uh, genealogy so you could see why they would want to enforce this and why it might be if he is still alive or not it's still unclear on on her father like where he is right now but you could see why they would want to push this forward and why it might be important for the future of human and betazoid relationships Interesting that their sorting hat that they put on her as a baby would come up with a human. <laughs> right. Huh. But it could just be whatever they were casting that day and this guy looked hot and we love his mullet. So let's put him in as a betrothal like option. Yeah, Who absolutely. knows? Well, I give this episode uh, one gong out of uh, too many. <laughs> uh, at the no, there's there's some great scenes that we didn't talk about. There is Deanna Troy and Wyatt um, when they have their very, very tame kiss on the right. deck. That should have told us enough right there. Yeah. And then uh, he has more chemistry with Loxana. And she has a great line that doesn't have to do with the theme of destiny and arranged marriages so much and, and tradition but mm -hmm. she says all lifeblood is bound together which there is really is. interesting because that's the heart of hindu philosophy and the whole idea of reincarnation and the idea of karma which is that we are all uh living you know one life and so we will live every life and i, yeah. I wrote it down because i love that philosophy and that was the one thing that was redeeming about Luxana to me the way that she framed it too was so beautiful in that the the concept that you need to understand is so simple that you don't understand it. That we are all connected, we're all living these different lives, but we're all one thing is so such a simple thing to say, but it's hard to grasp, you know? And I think it's it's amazing that they brought up this sort of concept. Hey, that's what they're great at doing. Yeah. Bringing up awesome, awesome concepts, whether or not they're executed to our liking at this 
stink yeah. in season one. That's true. So did you guys enjoy this episode? How many gongs do you give it? I would give it three gongs out of five, I would say. I think it's a solid episode. I think it's it's better than like an average uh, because I like some of the themes that they explore. I like um, sort of this concept of polyamory of like your mind is too small to accept that you could be in love with multiple people and that could be okay. Um, and it, like nudity is kind of a fun thing to play with too, but like people's comfort level with bodies, who knows? So mm-hmm. yeah, three gongs out of five. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give it four gongs out of six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because I really like the idea of a nude wedding. Right. Well, I think we'll actually get a taste of that in a future episode. We'll Maybe. Um, speaking of future episodes, next week we have The Big Goodbye, Ooh. where Captain Picard and some of the Enterprise crew get stuck on the holodeck while on their way to an important diplomatic mission. Holodeck episode! There you go! Holodeck yeah. episode. Excited for it. Oh, my God. It. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to be so engaged. engaged. Wow. We're really pushing it now. We're making it so. 